Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello, and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast you know, you meet a lot of people uh, when you're out and about. And uh, the person that we're interviewing today is somebody that I'm really excited to have been referred to uh, because his business experience, uh, not just in financial services, but in life. I mean, he's pretty much covered every aspect of financial services as not only a professional, but also as a coach and a consultant. Um, he has done some really super fun stuff that we're going to dive into today. Our guest is Kurt Olson. Kurt, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Let's uh, we start off uh, the same way, which is uh, telling us a little bit about your history. So, how did you get to being who you are, and why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing, also? So, how I got to being who I who I am, uh, you know, went to college, obviously University of Illinois, Champaign Urbana, go Illini. <laughs> um, then we then getting out of college, I actually got in the equipment leasing business, and I was teaching man manufacturers how to sell equipment leasing. Like, for example, we had a doctor and the doctor had a $10,000 machine. He can get 400 bucks, uh, you know, a test. The lease is 800 bucks, two tests break even, right? Mm. So I'm selling these leasing programs to these, uh, so I'm kind of wholesaling. And a company approaches me and they say, hey, how would you like to come work for us? And we're doing public equipment leasing limited partnerships. I had no idea what that meant. So I went over there and they're actually raising money. I, that was my first job as a wholesaler, which was back in the early 90s. And I worked with this company for about five years. Then I kind of went off on my own. I was doing some uh, private placement, some uh, you know, IPO work. And then in 1997, I was hired by this little company uh, called Golden American Life Insurance Company. Hmm. And they had actually been purchased by uh, Equitable of Iowa, which was another insurance company, which had just been bought from Bankers Trust. So I go in there. I mean, I've got a child who's like a year old. I've been on my own for about five years. My son, who's now 23, was a year old at the time. I'm thinking, you know what? You know, maybe I should go back and, you know, find a job and, you know, get something stable, you know, for my kid. So it was funny. I sent out a, a fax. I talked I I talk to a recruiter. I sent out a fax to a guy and he was going to be in town on Friday. He came into town. We had breakfast, turned into a four-hour meeting a week later. I was wholesaling variable annuities. Now, you know, <laughs> I had no idea what a variable annuity was. I mean, you know, I called one of my buddies and I said, hey, what's a VA? Hmm. You know, because I'm thinking Veterans Administration. <laughs> they gave me seven states. They oh. gave me seven states. They gave me two prospectuses. One was for a 7% death benefit. The other was paid a big high comp. And they said, uh, you know, here's a few reps. Go get them. And so I basically started from scratch at hmm. that time. Uh, Golden American Life Insurance Company was doing about $300 million a year in VA premium. In August of 1998, about a year after I got hired, maybe 13, 14 months, ING purchased us, the International Niederlander Group. Many of your listeners might remember the Orange account. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was the money market account, right? They were the first people to come up with 25 to 50 bips over what you were getting in, you know, your bank's money market account. They were really the first online bank and they did a lot of marketing. So that's how they might remember ING. Well, I was in the variable annuity uh, uh, job there, uh, wholesaling, you know, independent broker dealers only. And we took that company from 300 million in premium in 1998 to over 12 billion in premium 10 years later. Holy crap. I was one of the top wholesalers at ING. 
I covered uh, Phoenix and San Diego for the independent broker dealer now, you know, for the independent broker dealers. Um, my claim to fame at ING was that I closed a $30 million variable annuity. <laughs> wow. Holy crap. That's a, that's a heck of a VA, dude. Right. And that was in January of 2009. Oh, so think about this. I'm working on this $30 million variable annuity. It's a pension plan. Uh, so they have individual annuitants, right? And I get an approval from the head actuary at ING about a, and, and probably a year beforehand. And he says, yep, you can do it. No problem. So I'm sitting in Colorado and I was skiing with a few wholesaler buddies of mine. And our next day was our national sales meeting. I get a call from one of the big wigs at, at ING and he goes, Kurt, we got the 30 million today. I'm like, yeah, I know. Isn't that great? You know, that's exciting. I mean, a, a good VA wholesaler in those days did a hundred million a year. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, $30 million ticket is huge. He goes, we can't take the money. I go, what? He goes, we can't take the money. He goes, do you realize what just happened? And I go, yeah, I realize what happened. Why don't you explain it to me? Well, the treasury's under, you know, the 10-year treasury's mm -hmm. under 3% for the first time in, you know, 50 years, except for once when Greenspan cut interest rates 14 times in 12 months. He said our hedging costs have gone up three to 400% because the VIX has gone from 20 to 80. And he said, because of all that, we have no more profitability in these contracts. And so we're going to have to write them down to zero. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Oh. So I said, you know, and I won't mention his name, but I said, you know, I have an email from the head actuary at ING approving this deal. Mm -hmm. Now, he's on the phone with like the CEO of the Americas, the head legal counsel of Americas. I mean, they're freaking out because, you know, this, this money's there. And obviously with the fall of 2008, you know, the, it was kind of a perfect storm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, ING had, I have it actually in writing that we have hedged away 99.95% .95 of the risk. Wow. Well, that's, that's three standard deviations, right? That's a one in 2,000 chance that something's going to go wrong. Well, guess what happened? Yeah. It went wrong. Yeah, it went wrong, yeah. So I'm at dinner, ran up to my room, got the email, forwarded it to this guy. Hour later, get a call and said, we'll take it. Oh. So, you know, thankfully that went through. You know, that's kind of my, you know, claim to fame in the, in the variable annuity world. Well, and so you've been you've been working in this space. You've been working with financial services professionals, as we talked about before we started recording. You know, th this is a really a marketing, uh, you know, podcast-based what have you seen in your worldly travels here uh, from the seven states down to the two states and working in the variable annuity space? What have you seen that really works that advisors are doing that you're like, you know what, if I see an advisor doing this, I know that they're doing a good job. A um, couple things. So I left ING in 2009. We started a mutual fund, raised a bunch of money for it, ran into a roadblock, won't get into the details, and we ended up selling it. So actually in May of 2011, I went full-time in the digital marketing left services world. I was doing digital marketing for about five years and I looked and I kept looking back at the financial advisors and you know because I know that 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 world so well. I wholesaled for 20 plus years. Financial advisors suck at marketing. <laughs> Bottom line, they're not good. Yeah. And the one piece of it, you know, there's a couple things that they can do that would make them that's cheap and it's affordable and, and it would make them better. Number one, you know, people don't, if you, if you go into Google AdWords and you, you Google financial advisor Phoenix, not a lot of people type in that in, right? Mm -hmm. Most of the business comes from referrals. Okay. There is some guys that are actually doing some marketing now that's working, but let's just say most advisors in the past have all been working on referrals. So what is a referral? A referral is a tr transfer of trust, right? It's I have a, I trust you. Let me transfer that trust bond to this other person. Good luck. If I type an advisor's name or if I type an advisor's company name, into the Google search bar, 
and they have one listing or they have, you know, what, what advisors need to do, what I believe they need to do is they need to own their page, right? Oh. So you need to, ha- they need to own their page. Mm-hmm. So when somebody types your name in or somebody types your company's name in, you know, you've got three or four of your pages to your website on there. You know, you might have a Twitter account, a Facebook account, a LinkedIn listing, you know, whatever it is, when they, when they type, that gives you instant credibility. It's like, oh, okay, well, obviously this guy's there. So that's the one piece of advice I would give every <laughs> advisor. It doesn't cost them much, but own your page. Nice. Um, the second thing that I think I would give, uh, the second part of the thing that I would, I would talk to advisors about is, um, you know, you, you're all about micro-influencing, right? And I think that's fantastic um, to kind of break up into a different field. We worked with a guy in, uh, here in Anthem, Arizona. He's a real estate guy. And he wanted to, you know, own Anthem. And uh, which is a big, you know, big place up just north of Phoenix here. And so what we had him do is we had him go out and we had him just kind of interview local businesses. Mm-hmm. So he'd go out, he'd interview a local business, you know, he'd tag the person, he'd tag the company, he'd share it. And pretty soon he turned himself into a little mini celebrity in Anthem mm-hmm. because, you know, everyone was seeing him interview all these, you know, local businesses. He was out there. He was reaching the community. You know, he became a micro influencer in his backyard, mm-hmm. which was this, which is this just one area. Um, the third thing I would say, and I learned this from Ron Carson. Many of your listeners might know who Ron Carson is. He's a huge rep out of uh, uh, Nebraska, was with LPL. I believe he's with Satera now. 25 years ago, I heard him speaking. And the one thing that stuck with me was this. He goes, my clients are one of three types of people. Either they're Nebraska Cornhuskers fans, they fly private planes, or they collect red wine. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how the private plane and red wine thing got put together. But, and he said, because that, those are my passions. That's what I'm into. And, you know, so therefore my clients tend to gravitate me because we have commonality. Yep. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that any professional makes, whether you're a financial advisor, you're a mortgage broker, you're a real estate agent, whatever it might be, is you put out all this junk about well interest rates are going up the bond market got I know. Up, the stocks have done that yeah, nobody I mean, cares. you put all this nobody cares yeah, nobody cares yep nobody cares yeah. you know put out stuff about your passions put out stuff mm-hmm. about who you are you know expose yourself be vulnerable be but be humble but you know that's what people are looking for people are looking for somebody they can connect with yep and, and Putting out stock market stuff is not going to do it. Yeah, and we know that it's broker-dealer approved, which is why it's super easy. I'm going to go back to a couple of things that you said there, Kurt. So so first off, uh, you know what you're talking about interviewing other people and becoming a local celebrity, that's actually phase two of our micro-influencer program, right? I mean, that's already built in uh, to the system that we have. We've got a 36-month system that advisors can use to truly do exactly what that that real estate agent is, own their specific market. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, we do everything to tell you the questions to ask and how to get people on your show and how to follow up and all that stuff. But then the f- second thing is, um, Ron Carson was actually my boss for, for many years. I've flown on oh. those private jets uh, and I've also drank that wine with him before. And uh, okay. and it was unbelievable how true that statement is. I mean, that's still true today. Uh, yes. And some of the things that he has done that we talk to advisors about uh, and that really a lot of good FMOs, coaches, marketing consultants talk about is that passion prospect. And that's what he calls it, passion 
passion prospecting. And, you know, it's amazing when you're sitting around and you're at a private event uh, with Cessnas, right, for a good example for the private planes. Who's going to mm-hmm. show up? People who can freaking afford Cessnas, number one, and who want to talk about Cessnas. Uh, there's a gentleman that we worked with when I worked with Ron who was a huge Corvette guy. Uh, and so he ended up creating the Corvette Lovers Association of the United States or, or something to that effect. Uh, right. And he used to hold events and he would bring his Corvettes and everybody would bring their Corvettes. They'd talk about Corvettes. And then, of course, it always came around, Kurt, to, hey, what do you do for a living? Well, you know what? I make, and he had a great, he had a great spiel. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I make it so that in retirement, you can either afford to buy more Corvettes or keep the ones you have. And everybody was like, ding, 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 ding. (laughs) I I totally want to work with that dude. So Mm -hmm. um, those are three magnificent pieces of advice. Just to to summarize that for everybody, uh, you know, you have to own your page, guys. Everybody has to own your page. The way that you do that is that first page on Google needs to have your name freaking everywhere. Number two, uh, you know, really, truly become that micro-influencer. Do what you can in your community. Become a local celebrity. Most advisors have that personality because they're natural-born salespeople. And then third, really focus on your your passions. People like to do business with people they like, trust, and have things in common with. And if you can start... Start with the things in common, the like and trust happens that much faster. Okay, well, what are you doing now, dude? So, I mean, we talked a little bit about this before we hit record. Uh, it sounds like you've helped lots of different sorts of people. Uh, I mean, are you are you squarely back in the advisor space now? Um, are you doing consulting? Or you, I mean, help us with some of that, will you? Uh, number one, I am squarely back in the advisor space now. I haven't taken myself completely out of the digital marketing space. Okay, and, you know, we had we had some good success there. Um, and I, I still have a project that we're working on. It's actually a game that we've been working on. We soft launched it last year, tested it, and we're getting ready to do a, a big launch now. But so I haven't taken myself completely out of it, but I am focused on the financial services business. And one of the things that has bothered me as I've been looking at it for the past two or three years and deciding, you know, whether or not to jump back in is what do you need a broker dealer for? <laughs> I mean, really, I, I, what do you need a broker dealer for anymore? Ouch. The main reason that guys stay or gals stay with a broker dealer is what? It's their variable annuities. It's the thing, you know, I sold, you know, a billion and a half of over a 10 year period. It's their variable annuities. Many, many reps would like to make that transition away from FINRA mm-hmm. into their state mm-hmm. until they get about a hundred million in their RIA. Right. And then, you know, once they get past that, they're, they're working with the SEC and insurance laws. It makes advertising a lot, whole lot easier. Yeah. It makes everything a whole lot easier. So, so there's. I'm going to ask you about that. Hold on here, brother, because because first off, I I I really agree with you. Because but there are some broker dealers that that still do some good stuff. So I'm going to preface that right there. But the things that a lot of other people want broker dealers for is the protection aspect of it, right? From compliance and from oversight. Some of them like their marketing material. But what we're finding is when push comes to shove. It seems that some of the broker dealers just throw the advisor under the bus anyway. So now let's talk about the VA commissions or, or commissionable products that that do have, let's say, you know, a nice trail. And if you leave the BD, you're going to lose that trail. Do you guys have a solution for that? That's what we're working on right now. Our broker really, dealer, our broker dealer will be open up uh, hopefully this week. Whoo. It's funny. Um, we've been working on this, B, opening this BD and. FINRA said something about 45 days ago and said, could you request a 30-day extension? And so we said, sure. We requested a 30-day extension. They said something again. So we're, we're really close. We're 99% there in a BD. And what, we wanna, what we're going to be offering guys is a way to transition, guys and gals, is a way to transition out of the broker-dealer world into the insurance RIA world. 
Hmm. We'll even teach them how to become their own RIA if they want. So we've, we've set up this platform to take them and transform them as you go through. We've also got a SaaS fintech product that we're working on that we think will be very helpful from a compliance point of view that uh, we're going to start marketing here and pretty soon as well. Hmm. So my, you know, my focus is, is on you know, helping uh, people uh, market. It's on helping people transition if they, and, I, and I'm not against broker dealers. I have a lot. I, you know, I have a lot of friends in broker dealers. I've known a lot of people that run broker dealers. I have nothing against them. My question was though, what do you need them for? Mm-hmm. You know, why is it that you're staying with the broker dealer? Because you know, a lot of the people in this business are you know late 50s, early 60s, right? We yeah. have a tendency to be you know older, like me, you know. And if you're looking to sell your book, uh, you know, in the future, it's a lot easier to sell the book without an attachment to a broker dealer mm-hmm. will hold your VAs. The interesting thing is, is that as an RIA, you cannot sell a variable annuity, right? So the initial suitability has to be done by the broker dealer. Yeah. You have to be a BD rep, but you can hold a VA once it's been sold, mm-hmm. you know, and we've got companies out there like Allianz and Lincoln and mm-hmm. um, Jackson who have fee-based VAs, yeah. right? With 0% commission, but how many broker dealers have signed selling group agreements? You know, it's interesting because not a lot of them, and I think a lot of them are still stuck in in the whole, uh, you know, um, concern when it when it comes to not just the suitability, but but what truly is in the client's best interest, which is which is very frustrating because some of those products can actually be uh, in the client's best interest. Okay. So here's the thing. You said something at the end there about Ron Carson, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, about, uh, you know, wanting to do business with people you like and, and have things in common with. I want everybody to need a chance to know you a little bit better. And before we do that, if you have not followed Kurt on LinkedIn, we're going to make sure that we have a, a link to his uh, LinkedIn profile uh, and also his websites and everything that you guys need to see. Because probably by the time this podcast comes out, your BD will be open and it'll be a magnificent opportunity for people to find out a little bit more about that BD uh, and, and connect with you and see some of your thought leadership. But when you so you've been successful, you've been you've been all over the place. You have really stayed in the same lane, but you've dipped your toes in lots of different waters. How do you keep yourself focused? I mean, so what is your centering principle? Do you have like a mantra or a uh, a saying that you have that when things get rough or you feel like you're a little bit off kilter that you use to get yourself back on track? <laughs> well, the serenity prayer is one of them. Yeah, sweet, good, good. <laughs> um, and my father. I uh, had a saying, which was refuse to be ordinary. Hmm. You know, he, he would talk about, and there's people out there that make things happen. There's people out there that watch things happen. And there's people out there that wondered what the hell just happened. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you need to be out there, you know, making things happen. And as I kind of transitioned back into the financial services business from the, from the digital marketing world, uh, kept my foot in it, but transitioned back. I want to focus on this again. Um, one of the things that, that really um, was, in, was, was important and some of the things that I'm bringing to these reps now is, you know, at the end of the day, when you're working with a wholesale or you're working with an FMO or whatever, it's really about service because it's a commoditized industry. I mean, you know, you can find the same commissions, you can find the same products. It's really about service that makes the difference. And so, you know, I tend to be focused on, you know, just providing people with good service. And it's as simple as returning emails timely, mm-hmm. returning phone calls timely, you know, um, you know, checking in with people once in a while. It's not that difficult. Yeah. All right. Is there a go-to like book or anything? So when somebody says to you, Kurt, you know, uh, you know, I, I look up to you or, or I know that you read a lot or you watch a lot of videos. Is there like a go-to, 
uh, book or video that you find yourself handing out often? Simon Sinek, Know Your Why. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah, great. That's, I mean, that's that, I recommend that book, you know, to people all the time. Hmm. You know, I, I just like, you know, you have to, people don't care about the what or the how, it's the why. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as Simon Sinek likes to put it, so it's that golden circle. Um, I'm like we were talking about earlier, that's what financial advisors and real estate people and mortgage people don't get. They think by posting a bunch of junk up there about their, you know, what's going on in their field, gets them somewhere. No, why are you doing this? What, you know, what, what's, what, why are you doing this? And by the way, what's in it for me? What's in it for your clients? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my favorite approaches, and this is kind of old school, is I'm, I'm a spin seller, right? The, the old spin selling. And I don't know if your advisors are familiar with it because it's been around for a while, but it talks, it's about, it's basically about the art of asking questions. Mm -hmm. So you start with situational questions, then you talk about problems, mm -hmm. questions, then you go into implications, questions, and then finally there's the need payoff questions. Mm. And for me, too many, too many people like to hear themselves talk. And if you're talking, you're not learning anything. If you're listening, you might just learn something. Dude, that's why I love my job so much. Uh, I, honestly, you know, people joke with me about this. Like, seriously, dude, what you interview people all day. And like, don't, doesn't your voice, I get this a lot. Doesn't your voice get tired? No, my voice doesn't get tired because most of the times I'm listening. I get to interview super <laughs> cool people like you who have really cool ideas, great life experiences, stuff that I can learn from. Oh, my God. If I'm talking too much, then I'm never going to have an opportunity to really pull those golden gems. You just gave us another one. Freaking spin selling. That's awesome. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Those are the great lines of questions in order to make it so, uh, you know, they sell themselves. Holy crap. That was cool. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, if I could recommend a book to any advisors out there, you know, look at spin selling. They've got workbooks, they've got mm. a book out there. Um, it's the art of asking questions in the right order mm -hmm. to get you, like you just said, to get them to sell themselves. Yeah. We don't want to be, you know, we don't want to sell anybody, let them sell their, let them sell themselves. Uh, the other thing that I say with, you know, that, that kind of is I've been working on lately and, and I'm going to kind of let the cat out of the bag and give your, give your listeners here some free advice is if you're not doing long-term care, oh, yeah. asset-based long-term care today, you're making a huge mistake Yeah, because 20 years ago when they came out with long-term care insurance, you know, it was kind of like term insurance, right? Every year it renewed and they priced it so poorly. They would be raising premiums 20, 30, 50%. Yeah. And then it got so expensive and your clients were pissed. Yeah. Right. Well, with asset based long term care, there's a whole new opportunities out there. And I'd, you know, I'd love to talk to any of your listeners okay. that would want to talk, you know, talk to me about that because I've got a lot of ideas about the asset based long term care. And let me tell you why. Number one, the conversation back 20 years ago was, oh, long-term care, you know, I don't need it. Who's ever going to need that? You know, whatever. And it was very hard to sell and sure advisors didn't want to go down that path. Well, best interest of your client, right? Mm -hmm. We've got that coming. And how many people do you know? Do you know anybody that's been a caretaker personally? Oh God, yes. Right. Everybody does. Yeah. So the conversation, I have four personal experiences with that. My wife, Ooh. my mother, and my aunt all were caretakers for many, many years. And I saw the stress that it put on them. I saw how crazy it was. So the question isn't anymore, well, I don't want to talk about long-term care. The question, you know, the answer is, yeah, I'm real interested in learning about long-term mm -hmm. care because everybody has somebody, I shouldn't say everybody, but I would say the vast majority of people know somebody who's uh, yeah. have a family member or a friend or an acquaintance, or whatever, that has been forced into that caretaking position because they have not pro properly That's right. prepared 
for you know long-term care yeah i i see that as as the next big thing coming down the pipe. you know it's it's interesting that you say that uh, because people look at me really strangely uh when i talk about just insurance in general i'm very very passionate about insurance mm-hmm. uh so so number one number two uh when it comes to the guaranteed income space you know my generation so so i'm i'm squarely solidly in generation x which by the way nobody's marketing to uh nobody markets to me everybody complains about the boomers and complains about the millennials but totally forget that there's this uh a generation that's entering peak earning years right who it do, nobody's mm-hmm. got a damn pension anymore right mm-hmm. they've seen the stock market poop itself a number of times and they're really looking for something where they can plan their retirement right for for that you know those go go years especially and um and so that that's one of the things that really I'm very passionate about in fact i just i posted something on my personal linkedin account about gofundme and and you see that a lot with long-term care like oh my god my friend's aunt needs or my friend needs money because his aunt doesn't have long-term care and he's taking care of her his aunt uh can you help send him money and i'm like oh my god we have insurance for that right mm-hmm. um so dude I, i'm i'm 100 percent uh right and, there and with the interesting you on thing that. is it's like you know you, you know you ask you know you ask the question you know what 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 are you going to do or what asset are you going to use if you know, you end up having to go in a nursing home and it's a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. What are you going to use for it? What are you going to you use know? to generate a hundred grand the, a year? After that, what's the next asset? That's right. Gonna Cause that's going to spend that down. Yeah. You're going to spend it all down yeah. or are you going to be like 80% of the people that are in nursing homes right now and on Medicaid? Yeah. And just get rid of all your assets and, you know, do all the kind of and You basically have to sign it over, right? And yeah. then, then that really yeah. loses the whole idea of inheritance. You can't pass on not only, uh, you know, uh, money, but you can't, you know, pass on family heirlooms because all of that stuff gets in there. Yeah, dude, I, I'm right there with and, you. Yeah, and people want to stay in their home. So home health care. I mean, when, yeah. if, you ask, if you ask people, I'm sure eight out of ten would say, where do you want to spend, you know, your retire-, you know, when you get to that stage, it's like, well, I want to be at home. That's right. So, yeah, I think, you know, that's where... When I re-entered this field here within the last six months, and I was looking at you know ways to set myself apart, kind of you know what's my unique selling proposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, it's my experience in marketing. Sure. And like like I said, I love what you guys do with the whole micro influencer thing. It's fantastic. It's I I I, I love it. Um, but the other one was you know kind of figuring out something that advisors aren't doing, and I would say you know most advisors don't talk to their clients about long-term care. Mm-hmm. And guess what, guys and gals, you don't do it. And they, the kids end up spending, you know, all their inheritance because mom and, and had to be in a nursing home for five years and it cost, uh, you know, half a million dollars. Who are they going to come and point their finger That's at? That's absolutely right. They're going to point them at you. Yeah. So at least get a negative consent form. And like I said, any advisors out there that would like to talk to me, you can, you can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, you can you know, find me on Facebook, whatever. And my, the proper spelling of my name, by the way, is K-U-R-T-O-H-L-S-O-N, if you're looking for me. And we'll make sure that we have links to all of that stuff, Kurt, uh, on, okay. on the site. So, dude, thank you so much. This was super fun. Uh, you're, you were a great guest, great information. You gave us a whole bunch of good golden nuggets. And uh, I can't wait. We should probably try to get you back on the show after everything's up and running uh, so that we can talk about some of the other cool things that you're working on. Excellent. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, I hope you have a great day. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. And we are asking for guests. Now we get a lot of guest requests, uh, people who want to be on the show. uh, And we listen to those very, very carefully. And we actually vet everybody. But we're also asking the question, if you could have me interview somebody, somebody who you've always wanted to 
hear from in a little bit different way, uh, send me their name. Right? I would love to have an opportunity to vet them, have a couple of calls with them, uh, and, and make sure that they'd be a good guest and they'd be providing great information to all of you. And if you know anybody who wants to have a great long-term care discussion, wants to learn about SPIN, wants to learn about how to get your business to be on page one, or really just bounce great marketing ideas off of somebody with a lot of experience, make sure that you connect with Kurt on LinkedIn, Facebook, and on his website. So for Kurt and everybody here at Top Advisor Marketing, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.